Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you and helps you to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. Let's dive in. The text we're going to kind of be in today, for the most part, is going to be in, found in Matthew chapter 9. So if you do have a Bible or your phone, uh, you can go ahead and open up there. But put your finger there, because we're going to read the same story. So Luke and Mark also wrote the same story, but gave a little bit more detail. Mark gave a little bit more detail. Matthew was just kind of straight to the point. And Mark's like, let me elaborate a little bit more what was going on in this story. And so I want to read the story in Mark chapter 2. In Mark chapter two, verse one, it says this. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. See, they're violating every COVID rule there is. (laughs) And he preached the word to them. And I find that's amazing that Jesus was growing in popularity. They knew who he was, and he could have been sitting down telling stories, having conversations, drinking some coffee, um, just enjoying their time. But instead, he said, no, I'm going to make the most of every opportunity. And he preached the word to them. This is Jesus. And it says, some men came and bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they cannot get to him, uh, since they cannot get him to Jesus because of the crowd, They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then they lowered the mat the man was laying on. (laughs) If you come to my house ever and it's packed, I want you to avoid doing that, please. We got those tiles that they can't really replace a whole lot. But I just want to make this point here real quick is that some of you guys just might need some new friends. (laughs) Some of you might need some, you might need to be the new friend. But how many of you guys have that friend that will pick you up? Those friends that will pick you up and will bring you to the feet of Jesus. Because you can't get there. Maybe you're being stubborn a little bit and you won't go yourself. But those friends that will pick you up and say, you're going to go to the feet of Jesus, whether you like it or not. And you can't stop us. And these guys made sure that they made a way to him. Some of you guys need those kind of friends. Or again, you may need to be that kind of friend. Because some of y'all are this kind of friend. You know, you look around the corner and you saw the house was packed like... Yeah, homie, not today. (laughs) This ain't happening today. We're going to come back tomorrow, you know, because usually between around noon and four, traffic's a little bit lighter. And so that's when we're going to go get your healing. But instead, they said, nothing is going to stop us. Nothing is going to stop us. Nothing's going to stop Jesus from touching you. Because, you know, what I've learned is that if there is a will, there's a way. If you start any kind of project, any kind of idea, if you start anything with a no, chances are it's going to be hard for you to get to that yes, right? Because every obstacle, see, I told you no. Every, no, see, God's just proven this is no. But if you start with a yes, chances are you will make sure that the yes is a yes and rarely find that no. These guys, these friends started with a yes. We are going to get to Jesus until we hear no. And guess what? They did not hear no. And they got there. And they got there. Some of y'all, some of y'all need some friends like this. Verse five, when Jesus saw their faith, all of their faith, the man on the mat, as well as the friends or family, and he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. It's amazing how he said son, right? There's a relationship there. And it's amazing how he started with that too. I'm sure that there were some people that were sitting there like, 
does Jesus, does he know why he came? I mean, does he know why he's here? He's paralyzed. We need a miracle. But Jesus said, your, your sins are forgiven first before even addressing the physical side. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there, some Pharisees thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. He's blaspheming. And to blaspheme really means to say or to do something irreverently or something that is in error to either God or sacred things. And the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, knew what Jesus was saying at this time. Basically, he was saying that he was God. And the Pharisees' teachers were saying, this guy is tripping. He is not right. He's off. And so that's why they're saying he is blaspheming, saying something that really only God can do. And so it says, why does this fellow talk like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone, right? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And right there, right off the bat, this is Jesus already proving that he was God by knowing what they were thinking. Why are you thinking these things, Jesus asked, which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, which only God can do, or to say, get up and take up your mat and walk, which only God can do, which one's easier? But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. And he got up and took his mat and walked home in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. What an amazing picture. What an amazing story. There's so much stuff going on, but I don't know that the Pharisees are the ones that praise God afterwards, but they saw the miracle. Nonetheless, everybody that was there said, we have never seen anything like this, and they began to praise God because they saw this man who was crippled, who was paralyzed, and uh, scholars say it was palsy, so he couldn't, he couldn't move yet stand up, grab his mat, and walk home. Let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, in Jesus' name, I ask, oh God, that your word will be planted on good soil this morning. Father, I I thank you for for fresh manna. I thank you, Lord, that, Lord, whatever it is that you want to speak to us this morning, Lord, here we are. Open up our hearts. Open up our minds. Help us, Lord, to glorify you by allowing you to speak to us in a way that only you can. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And amen. What I want to talk to you guys this morning about is a better goal, entertaining the right guest. Entertaining the right guest. Now, if you were to kind of take a step back and look at the whole picture, uh, you see this house, again, crowded with people, and they all came from different places, but yet they're all in the same place, hearing the same person with the same temperature, (laughs) the same house, but all coming from different places. And it really kind of sounds like church to me, to be honest. It really sounds like church. (laughs) The picture really sounds like and looks like church because you got a lot of people coming and sitting in the same room with the same temperature, singing the same songs, hearing the same person speak, sitting in the same chairs and the same volume, whether it was too loud for you or not, it was the same volume. And so we all came in this room, but are in very much different places because we see the four men with with the paralyzed man coming with great faith, saying, it doesn't matter. I'm going after Jesus, and I'm going to get to him. There are some that came in the house like that. There are some that came in the house and said, I just just want to be amongst the the other believers in Jesus and learn a little bit and grow and kind of be there. And then there are others, and I'm not looking at anybody in particular, but there are others that, you know, like the Pharisees were there just rubbing their chin, raising their eyes, looking around and looking at everybody like, These guys are a bunch of brainwashed people around here. 
don't they know this guy is a fake? What's going on? I'm looking for everything that I can find in error so that I can put it on Facebook. Now, they didn't think that, but I want to put this on TikTok. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this on social media because there's some error going on. And that's the angle. So again, a lot of different people. It just looks like a regular church service, doesn't it? Now it does, right? It looks like a regular church service coming together and a lot of different things going on all at the same time. But there's a particular part of this passage I want to look at. And I'm going to look at it first in Mark chapter 2, verse 8. <clears throat> Mark chapter 2, verse 8 says this, Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? In Luke... Same story, same part of the passage says this, but when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Why are you reasoning in your hearts? But the one I want to focus on is actually in Matthew. Matthew, I think, had a little bit of a different relationship with the Pharisees. They hated Matthew, and so he knew that. Um, And so there was just a little bit of a different relationship that Matthew might have had, but this is what he said. He said, knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? And in the Greek, Mark and Luke, the term that they use has to do with kind of a channel of reasoning and a channel of thinking or to ponder. So what Mark and Luke were saying was, is this guy, is he a, he's blaspheming, but kind of like pondering and almost like hasn't really come to a decision yet. And that's kind of the word that Mark and Luke use. But Matthew used a different Greek word, which, which tells us it was a fixed position. There was no more thinking, no more pondering. It wasn't in question. It wasn't a debate. This was a fixed position. This man is evil. He casts out demons by the, by the prince of Beelzebub. He is not of God. They had a fixed position about Jesus. And that's why I love that. Matthew said, man, why are you entertaining evil thoughts in your mind? Why are you entertaining them? So again, We're going to talk about entertaining the right guests, entertaining the right guest. Now, I, uh, my wife and I, we love to entertain. We do. She's much better at it than me. And I've learned a lot. She has taught me a lot. She's taught me like, you know, paper plates are not acceptable um, for, or plastic forks. I think it's easy. You know why? Because we have a big party. I don't got to wash dishes. So it's easy. That's how I'm thinking, efficiency. So if I go to your house and you give me a paper plate and stuff, I'm good. All right, Scar, I'm good. Just, we just, we're good. I'm gonna leave it at that. But she has taught me over the years that when we're entertaining, we wanna be able to do our best. We wanna put our best foot forward. You see, somebody's coming in the house. We wanna embrace them. We wanna welcome them in. Hey, come on in. You know, the fireplace is on. It's nice and warm. But if you're too cold, we gotta throw. We got a coffee bar here. We got the Keurig. We got the Nespresso. I got an Nespresso maker. We got some cold, in the, some cold coffee in the fridge too. Whatever you like, we got it. The restroom's right here. We're entertaining. What you got to realize is that the goal of entertaining, the purpose of entertaining, if you invite somebody over to your house to entertain them, the goal, the goal, the purpose is for them to get to a place where they're comfortable enough to want to stay, to want to stay for a little bit. If they keep their jacket on and their shoes on, they're like, uh release them. Release them in the name of Jesus. Let them go because they don't feel like comfortable enough to want to stay. Let them go. (laughs) But if they feel like, you know, I can't kick my shoes off. You know what? Mi casa. My house is your house. Make yourself at home. 
That's what we want. That's the goal, right? That is the goal. And so again, what Matthew was saying in this passage is this. Those evil thoughts, Pharisees, teachers of the law, you've allowed them to make themselves at home. You allowed those thoughts to chill a little bit. You have made them comfortable. You've done everything that you could to make them feel comfortable and at peace and just kick their feet up like this man is evil. And, and those thoughts are just chilling in the Pharisees, just hanging there like, and then the Pharisees, is there anything else you like? Anything else? You hungry? We got a nice, beautiful charcuterie board that my wife made. We got some steak coming pretty soon with some mashed potato, whatever you like. Just making these thoughts comfortable, making these thoughts feel like they are at home. Are you entertaining the right guest today, church? <laughs> I believe the question then is this, what are you entertaining today? What, what thoughts, what filters, premeditations, what doubts or fears, insecurities, what things are you allowing to take up residence in your mind and stay there for a little bit? Because this, if you don't hear me say anything else today, hear this, please. Take a picture of it. Remember it. What we entertain on the journey is going to determine our destination. What we entertain on the journey is going to determine our destination. Well, what does that mean? Well, I believe that God wants you to go somewhere in life. (laughs) For us as believers, the obvious destination for us is heaven, right? The Bible says in John chapter 8 that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ. Nothing can and nothing will. So our eternity is forever secured. And that's awesome. That's great. But I also believe that God wants you to do something with your life. I believe God wants you to do something here on earth as well. I believe God wants you to make a difference on earth here. I believe God wants to use you. And let me tell you, I'm living proof that God wants to use you more than even you can even imagine. I believe God wants you to leave an imprint here on this earth. In this brief amount of time that you have to live, God wants you to have a purpose. I'm going to just say it a few times because I don't think you believe it yet. But God wants you to do something great. God wants you to, 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 to make a name, not even just for yourself, but for him. God wants you to represent him well. The Bible says that we are ambassadors for Christ. You know what that means? That you're a respected official representing a nation. That's what an ambassador is. And God is saying you are his ambassadors. You're Christ's ambassador. So you are an official, a respected official representing the kingdom of heaven. And God's kingdom is not a slack kingdom. It's not average. It's not mediocre. God's kingdom is excellent. And so I believe, again, church, that God wants you to live a life and to make a difference here on earth. It doesn't matter where you're at. You could be a single parent at home. God has given you a place to influence somebody. I was telling our serve team last Sunday in Raleigh that it's great to have promotions. It's great to move, move on. It's great to, but the purpose and the reason, church, that God has given you certain roles is because he wants you to have influence in those roles. And then you get a promotion and you meet new people and God wants you to have more influence. And then you get more promoted. And guess what? God wants you to influence people that also are influencing other people. This is the goal for God to use you to make a mark. For God to use you to leave a legacy, man, leave a legacy in your family. Because guess what? And I say this at every funeral I've done, I've said this. Guess what? People are going to be up here talking about you one day. What are they going to say? He was just average. He was okay. (laughs) What do you want people to say about you at your funeral? 
My pastor used to say, the the rate is still one death per person, (laughs) y'all. Everybody, it's your, your, what are they going to say? I believe God wants to wants you to, 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 to leave a legacy. God wants you to make a difference. It's not just heaven, but it's right now. How are you using your time right now? And what you entertain on the journey will absolutely determine your destination. It doesn't mean that you need to be called into full-time ministry uh, uh, vocationally. You don't got to quit your job and go you know, on the mission field or be an evangelist or a worship leader. You are in full-time ministry wherever you're at. I was talking with a good friend the other day who was saying that he, 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 works, with, uh, he works in corporate uh, Silicon Valley, and he's saying that every single day, he said, I don't just work with professionals in the corporate world. He said, I work with professional pagans. <laughs> I work with professional sinners. They create ways and new ways to sin. That's just the environment he lives in. He said, but what I commit to every single day is to put on the full armor of God every single day, regardless of where you're at. God has you there to make a difference. You may not be able to make all the changes you want to make in your job. You may, may not be able to move certain things around that you want to move because you could do it better. I know you can. I know you can. You can do it better. But that's not your role. And if it's not, that's fine. God has still called you to have influence and to make a difference, even in the position that you're in. What you entertain on the journey will ultimately affect your destination. Amen. I remember uh, the other day I was, I was on my way it was a few months back. I was on my way to uh, meet somebody in Oakland, and I put the address in, and it took me to Berkeley. <laughs> and I followed it. <laughs> That's the crazy thing is I'm like, why am I passing <laughs> Ikea <laughs> to go to Oakland? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> and I keep going to an address in Berkeley, but it said Oakland. I'm like, why? I didn't get it. But... I was listening to a voice. I was listening. See, my, my, my GPS is that, is that, that female European, vo- you know, I go, turn left, right? So I, I turned left, and it, and it was the wrong left. What do you, you listen to? You see, because when I was a teenager, I, uh, I was about uh, 18, 19. It was prophesied over me a couple times that God had called me in the ministry, in the full-time ministry. And some of you know my story. I tried to get away from it. I, I love baseball, so I was going to do baseball. And then I was like, okay, maybe not that, Lord, because you're saying no. So maybe FBI. I was going to go into the Navy. I was, had all these other ideas of what I wanted to do, all the while knowing that God was calling me into ministry. So two different times, it was prophesied over my life. You, young man... I didn't know these people. Young man, God has called you to, to shepherd his people. Another time, God has given you a heart like David to shepherd his people. So I knew this. I knew that God had called me to ministry. But yet all of these other thoughts, all these other insecurities, see, because everything that I ever knew about pastors that I knew from pastors or watched, they were this charismatic, this very relational. They just knew the Bible so well. And I'm like, Lord, I'm not that guy. (laughs) Kind of like Moses, like you're speaking to the wrong guy. Like you must have meant that for this person, (laughs) but you got the wrong guy. And so I had all these different thoughts and all these different things that I was thinking. And I had a choice of which one I was going to listen to, which one I was going to entertain. And I thank God that I entertained the right one. I thank God that I entertained the Lord speaking in my life. Again, the same friend I was talking with the other day, he was sharing with me his story of before he was a believer, he, you know, drugs and alcohol, um, the whole shebang. And 
So he said that when he got saved and he gave his heart to the Lord, he would still drink, you know, drink beers and which, you know, again, is, is fine. But for him in particular, and my story was very similar, he said that he got to a point where he just felt like that, that the Lord wanted to take that away because what it was, again, for him, as well as for me, was it just, it was a foothold. It wasn't like going out, getting drunk and getting plastered, but it was a foothold. And you guys know when you put your foot in the door and, and, and little sister tries to, you know, or little brother or big brother tries to get out, it's like, no, I got my foot in the door. And so... He was saying that when we give the enemy a foothold, when we give the enemy that kind of room, that open door, he said, it's crazy to think that we can just let the enemy in to our house, let Satan in, just be like, go, go sit over there in the corner, Satan. <laughs> just chill. Just relax over there. Just stay over there. He said, it's crazy that that's just not the reality, because if you let him in, he's going to slowly make his way over to the table while you're eating dinner. Did God really say that? He said, he's going to Satan will start to undermine all the things that God has spoken to you. He'll start to undermine all the disciplines in your life to keep you grounded and keep you strong. He'll undermine all that. Reading the Bible, really, does it really make a difference? I know you like that song, but there's this new song right here on 94.9 that you want to listen to. (laughs) You know you need to read the Bible, but man, there's this new TikToker you need to follow and He just starts whispering, and he just starts speaking. And if you let him feel comfortable, if you give him a little throw, and you give him a little sparkling water, a little charcuterie board. I love charcuterie boards. They're amazing. They're amazing. (laughs) My wife. So... If you're just making him and making those thoughts feel comfortable, they're going to stay, stick around for a little bit. And who and what you entertain will affect your destination, will absolutely affect your destination. Amen. Matthew chapter 12 talks about Jesus says that if a demon is cast out and it will go searching for somewhere else in arid places, it says when it returns, sometimes finds the house swept clean and brings with it seven more evil demon, worse. And the, the, the end result is worse off. <laughs> so sometimes God, God's going to deliver you from some things. Sometimes God is going to free you from some things. But if you don't replace it real quick, we'll get to that in a minute. Psalm, excuse me, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, it says this. It says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man or as a woman, as a person thinks in their heart, so is he. What are you thinking? What is on your mind? What are you meditating on? Because that is what will become you. In fact, if that's what makes the big, that, that's what differs and, and that, that's what separates somebody that is fully, full-hearted going after the Lord to somebody that is a believer, but you don't really see a whole lot of fruit is the way that they think. What are you thinking about what are you meditating on? Dr. Caroline Leaf, she's an author and a cognitive neuroscientist. She said this, she said, thoughts are real, physical things that occupy mental real estate. They are real. Moment by moment, every day, you are changing the structure of your brain through your thinking. How are you thinking, folks? When we hope, it is an activity of the mind that changes the structure of our brain in a positive and normal direction. There's some real estate. There's some space up in your brain. And what is occupying 
that real estate in you? What are you allowing to occupy? What are you allowing to stay there? What are you allowing yourself to meditate on? Because it's having an effect on the way that you think and the way that your brain actually develops. What about this? What stories are you telling yourself? What stories are you telling yourself? We're all telling ourselves a story. Researcher and author and professor Brene Brown, she said it this way, and I love this. She said, in the midst of a struggle or a fall, so in layman's terms, when you're facing something difficult, you, hit, you have a pain or, or something is hurtful, in the midst of that struggle or fall, we have neuron biologically hardwired, uh, we, sorry, fall. We are neuron biologically hardwired to make sense of that hurt or fall as fast as we can. And if we can come up with a story as fast as possible, our brain chemically rewards us for that story. (laughs) So basically what that means is this. I encountered this hurt, this offense. I encountered this rejection and it hurts. And as soon as my mind can find a reason for that, a story for that, my brain gets rewarded. My brain releases some things to reward me for that. What are you telling yourself? What story are you telling yourself? Well, the reason they rejected me, the reason I didn't get this, the reason that happened is because of this. What story are you telling yourself? Your story might be super proud, too. Well, they, they, they don't listen to me. They're crazy for that. <laughs> I mean, they should know. They should know. It's not my fault. It's all theirs. What story are you telling yourself? Actually, Brene Brown, there's a story where she was swimming with her husband. They were both competitive swimmers. And they were swimming and they were kind of passing each other. And as they were swimming and just enjoying the water, just whoosh, whoosh, she said, you know what? She told herself, I'm, I'm just going to step out on a limb. I'm just going to tell him just how much I love him. So they're swimming and she looks over and says, hey, honey, I just love that. We're, I love you so much. I just love that we're out here. Swimming is so beautiful, isn't it? And he looks over at her and says, yeah, honey, water's perfect. Keep swimming. She's like, What? She keeps swimming, and so she starts planning it out. I'm going I'm to get him later. I just can't wait. I'm going to burn his meat. I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get him. I just know. He thinks everything's fine, but I'm going to get him, right? So she's swimming, and then they start to pass each other again. True story. And she says, I'm going to try it again. I'm just going to see. I'm going to see how much I'm going to burn his meat. So <laughs> pass again. Hey, honey, honey, I just love you. I love being out here just out in the open. It's so beautiful. I just love being with you. I love you so much. Yeah, honey, water's great. So she had this whole story in her mind of what was happening. Afterwards, they had, they had practiced this, uh, this conversation where they would tell each other what story they were telling themselves. And so after they got out of the water, they said, honey, she said, honey, I don't know what's going on, but I, told, I was trying to open up my heart and tell you how much I love you. You rejected me, and this is a story I'm telling myself because you rejected me. And his response was, wow, I didn't hear a word you said. <laughs> He said, I started counting my strokes because I started to uh, get overwhelmed. And, uh, and that's what you do if you're a professional swimmer, I guess. That's what I learned, is that you start to count your strokes. So you kind of stay focused. So that's what he was doing. He didn't hear a word she said. But nonetheless, she started to tell herself this whole story based off what it could have been, what was happening. What story are you telling yourself? The Pharisees, they had their story that Jesus was, again, the prince of demons. Jesus was not of God. Jesus was evil. Jesus only wanted to destroy the religious system that they were creating. Your story 
might be a little bit different. You might be telling yourself, you know what, I, I just never good enough, always fall short, always mess up. Maybe you were told that. Again, maybe it's an excuse that you have. Maybe you've told yourself the reason you've never gotten into a small group is because I'm better at one-on-one. I'm better at one-on-one, so I'm not getting a small group. Maybe you told yourself, I have nothing to offer. I just, you know, I'm just, I like, I like being alone. I have nothing to offer, so that's why I don't really feel like I want to jump on the serve team. It's a bit intimidating to be a part of the body serving because maybe it's something like that. Maybe, you know what, my, my life's busy enough. I work. I got kids. They got, <laughs> they got activities, sports and all this. Got all that. I don't need anything more on my plate. God, just give me a break. Maybe that's the story you're telling yourself. And God is saying, no, but I still want more. Again, I don't want to just take more of your time and make you more busy, but, but I want you to be better. And I want you to have influence. Amen. There was a few months back, and I'm almost done. A few months back, um, I was taking my girls to school, and I was kind of in a little bit of a rut. And so I was driving, and all of a sudden, I just really felt the Lord plant something on my heart and tell me really clearly. He said, James... He said, there are areas in your heart, there are areas in your life that you're not giving me access to. And he said, every time I kind of get close or somebody else I'm trying to use to get close to this area of your heart, you shut it down. And either you get mad and angry or you shut down the conversation, you just put up a wall. And he's saying, you're not giving me access to that place in your heart. And really, until you give me access, you're going to just stay stuck. And, and, and so what it ended up being was I just, I, I dealt with, you know, insecure. I'm dealing with, again, th- those things start, those thoughts that I told you from before, it's not like they just went away. <laughs> I mean, th- there's still thoughts of insecurities and all this stuff that come up in everybody. We all have them, right? We all got them in some way. But I felt like it was the, in, the insecurities and the fears of failure that if, if I get corrected, I feel like I failed, like I messed up, like I'm letting somebody down. And and, and I didn't like that feeling, and so bless my wife's heart, but you know, sometimes she would say things that were correct, that I needed to hear, but I just wasn't ready to hear, and so I would shut it down. No, that's you. Um, when all the while, it was something I needed to hear. All the while, it was something that I needed for my breakthrough, for me to grow, for me to learn, but there are some areas, again, that I had made comfortable in my heart that as soon as somebody got, you know, you know, you, sometimes you, got, you guys got those animals at home, them cats. Them cats is like, is this friendly cat or? Is this friendly? <laughs> no, not friendly. Um, <laughs> or is it a friendly dog? Are you friendly? So sometimes it's like we have those guests or we have those thoughts in our mind. And anytime something gets close, it's like, That <laughs> oh, was free. First service didn't get that one. Uh, <laughs> Um, I love how Jimmy Evans said it. If you guys were a part of our Freedom Conference last year, don't worry, we're going to have another one. It was amazing. But Jimmy Evans, in one of his sermons, he said this. He said, the problem isn't the substance. He's talking about addiction and substance abuse. The problem isn't the substance. It isn't the circumstance. The problem isn't your past. He said, the problem is how you think about it, how you're thinking about that, how you're thinking about that. And he went on to talk about smoking cigarettes and He said he was a smoker trying to stop and had to switch that around and basically tell others, I'm a non-smoker. I am a non-smoker. I hate it. It's disgusting. It's gross. I do not smoke anymore. And the moment he began to change those thoughts, again, he was creating these patterns of his thoughts, 
creating a new place of real estate in his mind that he is not a smoker. And it absolutely set him free. Absolutely set him free. So at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, we take every thought captive and bring it under the obedience of Christ. What thoughts do you need to just capture and say, nope, not today, Satan, not today. In the name of Jesus, I can do this, right? I can do this because you might be telling yourself you can't, but you know what? I can. This is, this is, this is the path that God has called me to. This is, this is what he has led me to, and I'm going to take it by, I'm going to take it and I'm going to embrace it. Because this is what God has called me to. And so, who or what, again, are you entertaining today? We talked a lot about maybe some things that we shouldn't and ought not to entertain, but what should we entertain? And you know, the preschool answer, Jesus. (laughs) It's the answer for every preschool or, you know, every Sunday school question, Jesus. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, Of course, yes, the Holy Spirit Jesus, the word of God. But I have three passages that I want to share what we ought to fill our lives with, ourselves with. Psalm 1, verse 2. This book of the law must not depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Let me tell you something. You can't meditate on the word of God if you're not reading the word because you're going to meditate on whatever you're spending your time with. It could be TikTok, could be YouTube, it could be that movie you watch, it could be that song you was banging on the way in, it could, whatever it is. What are you meditating on? Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Why do you think Paul said it? Why do you think Paul has told us that, told the Philippians that? The reason he told them that is because they were thinking about other things. So he's saying, think about this. Romans 12, 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. How, you guys? By the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. I find it ironic that this one man walked away Uh, from being paralyzed, but there were many others that were paralyzed in that house. They were frozen. They weren't able to move. There are many, many more people that were blind in John chapter nine. Jesus healed the blind man. There were many other people blind there. There was a lot more people thirsty for living water than the woman at the well. So I'm just believing, church, that There are some things that we've allowed to take up residence in our heart and in our mind that God wants to get rid of. God wants to get rid of. And uh, we're going to do something actually right now, and we did it in first service. We're going to take about just about 30 seconds, 45 seconds while Daniel's playing. Maybe we could turn up the piano just a little bit while he's playing. But we did something uh, in Freedom Conference called Activation Times. And it's those moments where you're just silent and you're working with the text and working through the text or working through an idea or a thought. And so what I, what I want us to do for about 30 seconds, 45 seconds, and not between you and your neighbor, just between you and the Lord is just want to search our heart right here. This last passage I want to read, Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24 says this, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. And so we want to actually walk this out and say, God, would you search me? Know my anxious thoughts. If there's anything wicked on the inside, would you remove it? And so just while Daniel's playing, again, just about 30 seconds, 45 seconds, would you search your heart today? 
some of you, that might have been the longest 30 seconds of your week. <laughs> because you're just go, 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 so busy, go, go. But this is what the psalmist is saying, search me, God. And if everything's too loud and too fast all the time, it's going to be hard for him to really search you. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we come before you and whatever things we might have allowed to take residence in our heart and in our mind that's not of you, we confess it today. And say, Lord, we know that it's not right. We know that it's evil. But we ask you to come and to fill us with your spirit, fill us with your word, fill us with an understanding of your word that we might walk victorious, that we might replace these thoughts because you have made us to head and not to tail. You have made us more than conquerors. You have saved us and delivered us and set us free. We are children, the most high God, heirs to the throne. We have been made holy, been made righteous. You've taken our feet off the miry clay and placed it on solid ground. You've called us and anointed us and have a purpose and a call on our life. That's true for each and every one of you. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, listen, we always want to take a moment because maybe you did come in and maybe the mindset was a little bit more like the Pharisees in the sense that you didn't believe in the Lord. You didn't want anything to do with Jesus, but maybe God is tugging at your heart and saying, would you make things right? Would you open up your heart and have a relationship with me, with the Lord? Or maybe you've walked away and you just feel like right now is the time you want to come back and make space in your heart and in your life for him. And with every eye closed, if you would just, just raise your hand, just right where you're at. just want to pray for and with you. If there's anybody here, just take a moment. I see your hand. Amen. 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 I see your hand. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we've all prayed this prayer before, and, and if we could just join in just and pray this prayer with, with those that rose their hand, we want to pray this out together. Can you say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today, and my sins are many, but today I confess you as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sin. Thank you for clearing out the room of my heart. And I ask that you would come and fill it with your spirit. Place men and women of God in my life that will walk with me and pray with me and encourage me. And I'll follow you all the days of my life. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Amen. Can we give it up? Can we give the Lord a hand? Thank you again for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast, where our heart is to lead people to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. You can also find more content by following us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and by downloading our app.